Market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast where everything old is new again. And no, I'm not just talking about myself or even my new slash old co-host because, drum roll, big announcement, I'm Scott Phillips and with me again, returning to the microphone is Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? We've got the band back together, mate. The band is back together. Well, the, the duo, the, the Simon and Garfunkel, the, uh, I don't know, what else? The, the, the Hall and Oates, the Captain and Tennille. I'm not sure. <laughs> Am I the Captain or you? Oh, actually, they call me the Captain. Which one's Garfunkel? Tenille, so. Let's go with that. Uh, mate, it is fantastic <laughs> to have you back. Now, I should say for our, uh, for our newer listeners, uh, well, for our older listeners, Andrew's voice and name will be familiar because you were the original Motley Full Money co-host and you're coming back to the microphone which I'm particularly excited about A because you're a good bloke B because we're friends and C because very occasionally you have something a little bit interesting to say and I figured we might as well take roll the dice on <laughs> roll the dice on that one um, for, for our older <laughs> listeners they'll be happy to hear you back mate I'm absolutely sure for our newer listeners you won't know Andrew Andrew well he's a former fool but a full time friend of the fool uh, Andrew is no longer with the Motley Fool you were mate for quite a few years you left to start your own business strawman.com yeah. and, and the Motley Fool is strawman are kind of frenemies right we're not exactly working in the same fishing in the same pond but we're not miles apart either um, and I'm you know pretty pleased to say we've been able to lure you back to the microphone there'll be the occasional plug for strawman of course uh, but uh, mate I'm just I'm just excited to have you back for it to have a chat with every week which is which is kind of cool we are sorry to see Doc go of course but um, and we will bring him back from time to time but in the meantime, mate, I'm just excited to have you back. Let's uh, let's get the gr- first of what I'm sure is many gratuitous plugs out of the way before we get going, mate. What exactly is strawman.com? <laughs> oh, mate, I didn't. I thought you'd never ask. Uh, yeah, look, uh, strawman's just a, an, it's, it's essentially an online investment club is all it is. Um, and it's one where our members share investment ideas, insights, research by managing virtual portfolios and by uh, curating company reports. And uh, yeah, it's it's been going pretty well. We've got about seventeen thousand odd users on there at the hey, moment. Nice. We're uh, thrashing the market. So yeah, look if if you want to find some other investors to connect to, and you want to see what I'm recommending or what other some really smart investors are, are recommending, and have a look at their their portfolio, come and check it out. Hundred percent free. There you go. Can't get better than that, mate. Uh, yeah, so look, I mean, you know, the Motley gives investment recommendations. You guys have your, your members uh, providing their own thoughts on stocks. So we can't, to some degree, there's a bit of overlap there, but we think in a positive way. It's very rare that more isn't better when it comes to investment advice or insights or just just shared understandings and learning. So uh, if you're a, if you're a strawman member, come and try the full. If you're a full member, go and duck over to have a look at strawman.com and uh, see if there are some fellow travellers over there for you to, to have a chat with as well. Fair to say? Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, look, it's not a, it's not a million miles apart. I guess the only difference is we, we're really sort of crowdsourcing our research and recommendations. Um, but yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing. And I think the, the more sources you can get good information from, the better. Um, hopefully help you make a few good decisions. I'm going to say too, mate, the more sources you can get good information from. Uh, you know, if you were, there, there are competitors of ours out there who I'd be less keen. I mean, I'll, you, know, you and I worked together anyway in the past, but there'd be others who I'd be less keen to uh, to share the microphone with, but uh, you guys are doing it the right way around. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few of us, us, you guys and some others, um, but you know, it's, it's it, <laughs> the, the market's big and there are plenty of people who aren't doing it anywhere near as well or as uh, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to insult anybody or get myself in trouble but let's just say um, no nah, insult them insult them mate no you insult insult away there are there are a lot of cowboys out there in That's fact the whole raison d'etre I suppose of, of straw men and, and the, you know we did it the same at the full it's about accountability you know there's there's tr- there's scorecards there. There's there's public track records, and I think you know too few people hold themselves to account. So right, uh, right. yes, I, I think I think we definitely sing from the same song sheet. There you go. Let's go with the podcast, mate, rather than just do a mutual ad- advertising and uh, mutual, you know. So- no, we we can keep going with the advertising if you like, mate. I'm- <laughs> no, no, no. Let's keep let's keep going with that. That's <laughs> no, enough about me, Matt. What do you think about me? All right, now let's let's, let's get on the podcast. So, look, if you are um, if you are a long term listener, hopefully you'll join me in welcoming Andrew back to the mic. If if you're new or newer and you haven't heard Andrew before, you will enjoy his insights. Uh, we're not going to change much about the podcast, quite honestly. We, as I said, Andrew actually originated the podcast with me. We 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 sat down and did the first one um, very poorly. I've never ever gone back and listened to that very first episode, Andrew. And and I for anyone listening, <laughs> please don't do that because I would be horribly embarrassed. I'm absolutely sure. Here's, here's a dirty little secret. Andrew and I actually scripted word for word that very first podcast and read the back and forth. Oh literally, God. it was like a radio play. Like, you know, back in the, the 30s and 40s, we did this radio play called Molly Full Money. We've, uh, we've, we've <laughs> progressed. Let's just say, but by the time Andrew left the podcast, we had progressed uh, and, and we will retain and, and go back to the, that very that very same although, idea. Although I will say, mate, some, 
sometimes the the pendulum swung too far. We we went from like preparing to you know ridiculous de- to degrees to like not preparing at all. So you know there's there's probably a happy middle ground in there somewhere. Let's 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 hope. Let's assume we found it, mate. Let's let's get on with it. Mate, got so much to talk about. Yep. Um, big macro stuff. Obviously, JobKeeper ending this week was the big one. And man, I tell you what, could there have been a worse set of timing? Because the Brisbane lockdown literally came the day after JobKeeper finished. Yeah. Speaking of which, though, and despite all that. Shares apparently on track, if you believe the story in the Australian, for their best year in eight years. Welcome, but will it happen? Let's find out. We'll talk about some of the top movers too, which are really interesting and, and might give us a sense of what's actually going on. We'll talk about, speaking of, uh, well, the other side of that same coin, Platinum, the fund manager. And here's the headline in the AFR. Platinum warns of bloody end to speculative mania. That's not uh, that's not mincing words, so we'll go with that. We're going to have a look at Kogan made at 12 bucks. I'm a Kogan shareholder. We have recommended it, Doc and I, uh, to our listeners a couple of times uh, as some of our top stocks. Uh, we do a, a beginning of year uh, stock recommendation, stock ideas kind of you know, list. Uh, that's down to 12 bucks now, and we had a few people ask us about that. So we'll dig into that. We'll look at AGL, the energy retailer and generator splitting itself in half, maybe, and mate, I know you love this. I love this. The listeners love this. We will dip into the full mailbag as well. Let's just get on with it, hey? Excellent. Hey, hey, do we still do the high horse? We can if you got one. You got one? No, I, I, I don't, but I just I just <laughs> love the uh, the sound effect that we used to have. So no, that's, wait, that's, that's wait, half the reason I came back, can, mate. Can I say, well, obviously, I can't believe you haven't listened to every single episode is my first concern. Uh, I expect, I expect well, what reasons did you do for this podcast? Coming back, I, th- I would have thought you would have, you would have crammed hours and hours and hours of listening to just make sure you're ready for it. But uh, I'm sensing you've done nothing. Is that right? I, I no, I, I did listen to the occasional one, but uh, you know, I just I, so I don't we- know. I, it, 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 <laughs> the, Go the, ahead, the bad sorry. news is, mate, because we're recording from home these days. The old, the old, uh, the old COVID, the old Zoom uh, phenomenon. Uh, we don't, actually, we don't have the production values uh, <laughs> as limited as they were. The single sound effect we used to have, the high horse, has gone by the wayside. So you can clap coconuts, you can whinny oh. to your heart's content, mate. But uh, we occasionally do the high horse, <laughs> but, bring but the, the whinny is gone. Oh, what a shame! I know, I know. Okay, yeah, it's not not the same as being in studio, but we will make the most of it, mate. Theatre of the mind. Just we, uh, we can, uh, listeners can pretend we're in the studio, and you can throw out uh, a horse impression anytime you feel you feel ready to. Mate, up. Let's go to actual news. Eh? Uh, JobKeeper finished okay. this week, uh, and I don't, someone up there doesn't like us. I, I, don't, I don't know what we've done. Uh, not only did we get stuck with COVID, and then it was supposed to be oh, I can't wait till twenty twenty one. We get this behind us. And now we're three months into it, and we're still kind of not having it behind us. As we go to air, mate, France has announced another four-week lockdown, uh, their third long-term mm. lockdown trying to deal with COVID over there. So I guess we've got to count our lucky stars, mate, that, that life here is still pretty good, and, and we've been able to lock down. I don't want to get the politics of it or the, you know, the should we, shouldn't we, but the lockdown's happening in Brisbane. Um, the, the, the general view, hopefully, is if this is short, maybe it keeps businesses together. Maybe it, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm an optimist, as you well know. Our listeners certainly know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the growth in the economy, the growth in job ads is enough to start to soak up the jobs lost through JobKeeper and this unfortunate lockdown. But I guess I want to just start with you, mate. We haven't heard from you for a long time about anything like this. Um, your thoughts on on where the economy is, regards to JobKeeper, regards to COVID, how you're feeling about the general economic settings, what you're expecting moving forward. Oh, geez, mate. Talk about launching me into the deep end. That, yeah. is, that is a very, very big, big question. Go on. Um, look, tell, me, tell me about yeah. life in the US and everything, exactly. <laughs> well, I think... Um, I think when you talk about the economy at large, I've I've always had a bit of a bearish bent, and it's something that you I've have. really tried to fight. Man, you're a I dare. have. There's something there's something about negative economic negativity that feels smarter, yeah, and totally. you know it feels as though you're being cautious, and yeah. and 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 there's Prudent, always right? something to worry about. Yeah, there's always something out there that's that's a little bit scary. You'll always find a pundit talking uh, a very compelling bear case. And and I guess I've learned to be a little bit more sanguine over the years. I, I think that rather than trying to get too much into the forecasting with this kind of stuff mm. is, is just not to play that game because I can't play it. And frankly, I've, even when you look at the best economists in the world, I mean, they have a pretty horrible record too. So why why am I going to play that game? Do you know what I mean? So so yeah. and and then I just and then having said that, I just sort of take the view that and and maybe this feels a little bit naive, a little bit simplistic, like 
you say maybe a bit optimistic that over time we'll generally head in an upward uh, direction and and, and mm. things will improve and that kind of sort of sets the groundwork for me but having said all of that mm. in terms of what might be better called now casting you know like you know where we are at the moment I think if you had told me at uh, this, this time last year that this is what's going to happen on planet Earth over the next 12 months <laughs> yeah, right. um, and yet the market's going to be – well, let's let's face it. The market is at an all-time high on a mm-hmm. dividend-adjusted basis and we should include dividends, right? Like why, why yeah, would you enroy, avoid, um, ignore rent for your investment property? So on, on a total return basis, we are at, at a record high. Um, the economy has held up remarkably well. Mm-hmm. Uh, even things like some retailers and stuff that at first you might not expect things like, you know, the shaver shop and things like that, which you would think would be absolutely decimated. Uh, is, is Everything seems much better than it could have been. Mm. Um, and as we go forward, I think I think JobKeeper is going to be very interesting in terms of how that um, – how how things react in the absence of that. I think one of the things that, that a lot of people forget is that it's a very dynamic thing out there. So I wouldn't be too surprised if it if if this leads to a very big shock. Well, the government will just reintroduce another program, right? <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm generally color me surprised yet still optimistic when it comes to the economy. Yeah, I like that, mate. I like, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about this and, and we'll kind of share some of those your, your broader macro thoughts with our with our with our listeners over the time. Look, yeah, I'm I, I'm I am optimistic. I have to say, the growth in in jobs has been it's just been. I, <laughs> governments will take credit for these things because what governments do. But I'll tell you what, you know, that, no, don't tell me that in in June last year they kind of thought, yeah, March is about the time when jobs will start to come back. That that's remarkably unlikely to be to be the case. No, but no chance. Yet here we are, and so that's kind of you know that's something, right? We are we are back to you know jobs are being created. Uh, I have argued on this podcast before. I would have tapered JobKeeper for another three months because it's one of those things that because it is um, because it is re- reliant on specific data and specific business conditions by business. It's kind of naturally tapering, right? It's one of those automatic stabilizers that the wonks talk about, the boffins talk about. When you no longer qualify, you don't get it. So the, the you know the manager keeper does fall over time, but if you still yeah. need it, you still need it, which also protects jobs. And there's 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 fair there's fair views on both sides of that one. But I have to say, I would have given it another three months just to let that happen by itself. Um, but in the event, I, I'm I'm still hopeful that you know the number of jobs being added, the number of job ads going up on online in particular seems to suggest that businesses are investing consumers are spending as long as we keep doing that and particularly for things like education and tourism where they're really struggling and will until international arrivals return yeah. um, that's one area i think probably needs some longer term support but uh, you know man as you said mate 12 months ago if you'd said well the there, there are there are good. free airfares yeah which is about half price at least sorry yeah. to interrupt i was going to say well the half price airfares or something which is which is the whole other uh, yeah, yeah right. of fish but yeah yeah i hear what you're saying and so you know, I think I think you know, to some degree that'll you know, if you said twelve months ago, here's where we are now, here's what we're back to. Uh, it's just just phenomenal, just remarkable. If you think about just the the chance that literally almost we're almost exactly Matt, where we're a week past um, the low point of the market in in the wake of the crash, uh, and it'd be this good twelve months later. It's just mm. a remarkable turnaround, and you know whether whether justified or not, whether forecastable or not, just pretty happy that we're actually in a pretty good place just for, for all of us, right? You know, we're, our jobs, our businesses, um, other people's jobs and businesses, livelihoods, well-being, uh, you know, jobs are important. Economic growth and, and prosperity is important. So pretty happy to have that. Mate, um, let's, yeah. I, I will. Can I, will, can I be okay. a little bit, just, just, very, just, I think we've got a bit of a lag here, so, so apologies to the listeners there. Um, just be a little bit negative for a moment oh, in terms of I think what's and this has been a longer term trend. Uh, look, I, I think I think it, it's it's very noticeable in the US, but it's also very noticeable here. Although I think mm. generally at large the, the the broader average numbers of the economy mm. are, are looking really good. I, I'm actually quite worried about there's there seems to be a, a widening gap between the rich and the poor. Yeah. Um, I think there's a there's a bit of a structural change there. I think there's also been a bit of a structural change in terms of the type and nature of employment that that people sure. have. So yes, we're seeing a good recovery there, but it's sort of more part time, more casual work. Uh, you know what I mean? And and I I think these are these are bigger structural issues outside of COVID that are yeah. going to come to yeah. a head sooner or later, and that I, I don't think get enough attention. Mm, but but there you go, one little bit of negativity. No, mate, I, I think that's right. It really it really uh, it really drives me crazy, mate. Sorry, just like sometimes you know, you and I are on Ausbiz or things mm-hmm. like that, and people talking about, oh, you know how how well COVID held up. You know, we didn't go to the um, 
we didn't go to the Swiss Alps this year, but we just went down here. And I just feel, man, that is just like, what bubble are you living in over here? Because the reality is, if you were, if you were someone who kept their job Mm. over COVID, Mm. it was one of the best things that ever happened. You had all this sort of forced savings um, uh, because you just couldn't go out and spend all of that money. You still, you you know, you had, there was all this sort of stimulus sloshing around. You still had um, your job and and it was just, it was, it was a wonderful thing. Mm. And, and a lot of the people in, in the finance industry, because the markets were doing so well, um, have done that, so I, so I think we also when you when you hear the boffins talk from from within these walls, yeah. they have sometimes a bit of a viewer. It's just like you really need to go and speak to someone who works at a university or someone who's running a tourist o- operation or something out there because it it, yeah. it was unlike any other. Usually, when there's a recession, you know, to, to greater or lesser degrees, like sort of everyone sort of feels the pain. In this recession, um, it was sort of like one a couple of particular sectors just took all of it and and other people actually held up really well. Some, as, as we well know, even really benefited. So it was really, really, really different in mm. nature. Mm. And and I think I think sometimes the these these broader averages when we're talking about economic data points do tend to hide that kind of stuff. And there's a there's a few worrying sort of structural trends underneath all of that, for my money. Mm. No, that's great. I, I completely agree, mate. I think um I think that's absolutely true. I think some of the longer term trends, by the way, are, are both pre and post COVID, which is, as you say, that the, the growing inequality. I think here's the thing, right? I think we get, we get too tangenty too early, but we've only just started. We might as well go, might as well go with it. Uh, let's go, <laughs> go right off piston. Don't fight our way back eventually. Um, <laughs> there, you know, there is one of the things that really. So this is the this is my hobby horse, right? So, we, so most investors think they're long term investors, and, and so that's so let's put that there. And then they say, but I want tax cuts now. <laughs> Because I want more money, I want to pay less tax, right? And I don't really care about people who don't have enough money to live on or, or, or spend. Okay, fine. And then you say, so mm-hmm. where are consumers coming from? Oh well, um, mm-hmm. well, um, uh, uh, you know the the, the whole <laughs> I, this the, the irony is even if you were just purely self, even if you were the most selfish bastard on earth, right? It just ma- it makes it, in purely self interest terms. It makes sense to give those, the, you know, the poor suckers sweeping streets and cleaning toilets more money to spend so they can buy the stuff that you own as a shareholder and you can make more money. Even if, even if that was your only, object, only objective, over the next 20 years, the more disposable income that goes around the economy, the more money you're going to make. And I'm not saying it should, we should be this selfish, by the way. I think there's a, an absolutely fairness and equity question which needs to be resolved. On a, on a, on a social level, I'm a, a big fan of it. But even to put that aside, even if you take the most craven yeah. view in the world, unless you're going to die in two years' time as a shareholder... You want your companies to grow and and to be successful in three, five, 10, 20 years' time. Guess what, dude? Mm. You want people out there spend. If people have got spe- money to spend, wh- wh- how do you think your company is going to make profits? That you know, there's only so much they can screw out of, <laughs> out of the current customers or employees. <clears throat> and at that point, someone's going to say, "Well, mate, mate, <laughs> it just drives you nuts." Yeah. Go on. Well, well, Henry Ford figured this out. You know, a million yeah, years right, ago. He did. Um, You're right. It, 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 you know, do you remember? I mean, like the, the story is, is that he wanted he gave all of his factory workers a big pay rise because they're ultimately mm. the customers, mm. right? So he's just anyway. We're, we're getting into the, We're getting we into are. ideology we and, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> that it's there's a big rabbit hole that like I'm going to avoid. It's actually economic sense. It just the, the math is, speaks for it. You don't have, you know. One of those, you have an ideology, but if it doesn't pass the maths test, you don't get to keep it anymore. It just doesn't actually work. Yeah. You will literally drive yourself oh, into some sort of, you know, the old profitless prosperity thing of like, hey, I'm rich, but now the companies I own, the share prices are falling. Why are they falling? You look around and go, who can I blame? You got to look in the mirror sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Mate, um, speaking yeah. of yeah, <laughs> yeah, share yep. prices going up, headline of the paper, we were recording this on um, April 1. Happy April Fool's Day, mate. By the time this goes to it'll be April 2. So we won't, we won't <laughs> What an auspicious start. I didn't... Um, yeah, April Fool's joke. This is not going to wear at all. Surprise! No, I'm kidding. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> the, the, so we finished the third quarter of the financial year. Headline of the AFR on track. I've got to say, sometimes you know, the, the, if, you, if you're a financial journalist, there are some times of the year where you just go, "Oh, thank God, I don't have to think of a story." You know, end of a quarter, end of a month, <laughs> end of a year, uh, budget time. You get to go, "Oh, you know, like you might love it." But I got to say, I, you know, I do reasonable amount of writing, as do you. And, and you think, what am I going to write about now? What am I going to talk about? It's like, oh, into the quarter, thank God. So, so, so some lucky it journos, writes itself. <laughs> some lucky journalists this morning are writing this story, and the headline of the Australian was "Stocks on track for bumper year after three point one percent gains for the third quarter." Now, talk of potentially, and this is the this is the first paragraph of the article. Australian shares are on track for their best financial year gain in eight years 
with the benchmark index delivering 15.1% since the end of June as global markets continue to rebound from the depths of the pandemic. Now, I don't know about you, mate. I'm uh, I'm pretty allergic to taking nine months of data and then forecasting a year-end position. I, we've, we've, you and I have been around this rodeo a couple of times already. We kind of know how this works. Um, I'm not even saying they're going to jinx it, although I'd also be worried, worried about that personally. But man, calling the year after nine months, that's uh, that's pretty aggressive. Uh, it, it is, and it's just its just stupid as well, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how many times... They do it because it, it, it's very clickable, and, and that's that's uh, that's a whole other um, ball of yarn that we won't get into, but <laughs> um, it's just... I don't know how... I've been in this game for 20-something years now, mm. and you just see this thing again and again and again and again, and just you know, materially wrong all of the time, and then mm. when they are right, I think it's just purely because of luck, but... So it, it tends it tends to make me roll my eyes in a, in a very big way, and I also think, well, who gives a stuff? You know, whether the market goes up twenty percent or down twenty percent in the next three months, I honest. In fact, I, I I know this sort of sounds a little bit um, trite, but I, I if I had a choice between the two, give me a twenty percent fall any day, right? Like I'm still in, this is being selfish here. I'm still in a, an accumulation phase. I'm putting money to work. I want cheaper prices. Let it let it let it fall. You know. Yeah. I think, I think that's – you will be uh, not alone amongst our listeners, but there will be plenty of people who don't like that idea. But And yet, the maths is also – speaking of maths is, is also pretty true, right? If you're still accumulating – Well, think about it. You, yeah. want, you want low prices for longer so you can accumulate at cheaper prices as long as those prices recover at some point. <laughs> if prices stay low, you're not doing yourself any favor. Well, this but- is this- – yeah, this is the distinction that that I think it's it's it, a lot of us fail to to grasp, um, mm. even though it's it's not it's not that difficult. But you know, shares are not the business. I mean, mm. that's something get get tattooed on on your arm. You know, shares <laughs> are not the business. I'm that's not right. saying I want my businesses to suffer a twenty percent fall in their fundamental intrinsic value or the very you know their cash generation. I want mm. a business that just continues to sail on very nicely. Thank you very much. But which the market, because it's in a bit of a tizzy, has decided to give me a bargain price. For by by freaking out about what's going to happen in the next three, six, 12 months. Mm, mm. Right now, I'm I'm pretty glad that our listeners are realizing that we've replaced one friendly curmudgeon with another one. So, uh, Doc, we miss you, but Andrew, you're filling the, you're filling the void <laughs> nicely, mate. It's a, it's a good start to the to the, uh, the, the, new, the new old era me, of podcasting quietly for money. <laughs> All right, let's um, let, so yeah. So, uh, the thing I want to talk about now is is um. I, you know what? I, I desperately hate as you do cliches in the market, right? I just whenever you throw a, a cliched word or a bit of jargon, it's almost cover for having to actually explain the issue, right? More buyers than sellers. Okay, mm, cool. Yes. Uh, hang on. Uh, that being said, that the, doesn't the, make sense. The, the rotation word is kind of ugly, and I hate it, but it's kind of true, mate. So let me let me give you a list. Um, again, sourced from the Australian. These are the top movers in the ASX 200 over the last three months, right? Now, some of these, mm-hmm. these these aren't exactly all in the same in the same vein, but let's go through it. Linus up fifty five percent, Virgin Money forty five percent, Zip thirty nine percent. So one new economy company tick that box. Kodan, the uh, metal detector maker, up thirty eight percent. News Corp thirty six percent. Vocus thirty four percent. New Farm, uh, <laughs> let's make some uh, some fertilizers thirty percent. Incitec Pivot Explosives twenty eight percent. Elders Rural Services twenty six percent. And Westpac up 26%. Mate, given what we saw through the back end of 2020, I, I don't like the word rotation, but gee, if there's a definition of it, it's that, right? There's one new economy, Vocus is kind of mostly takeover talk and stuff. Other than that, there's only one new economy company in that top 10. And when you can put, yeah. you know, I, I, you could have written this list in 19, I'll say 85 and th- seven of those companies would have been there and you would have gone, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're the usual, they're usual suspects. Um, Westpac, Elders, Instec Pivot, New Farm, yeah. News Corp, Codan, Linus. You're kind of going, okay, well, that's that seems that you know what 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 internet, <laughs> you know, even Virgin Money is kind of it's a financial mm. services company. You can kind of lump that in. You get to eight. Um, I just, I just, it, it's fascinating that um, you know when the market does change its mind for justified reasons or other, and maybe this goes back to the point you were making before. There really is a, uh, you know, it's very hard to fight the wave in the short term. You know, right now, tech is on the nose. Yeah. The, you know, the, the old economy companies that were to some degrees left for dead during the, the, you know, the COVID comeback. You know, this is vaccines out. This is to some degree maybe just normalization. But it's also really hard to avoid the, the simple reality that, you know, rotation or otherwise, it is those old economy comeback companies that have done well over the last quarter. 
Yes, but I, I'm with you, Matt. I hate it. I hate it with a passion, <laughs> this talk. Of, and, Except and, it's true. It's, That's it's the only lack problem. Of context. Well, it's, it's, it's true, but it lacks context. So when mm. you were rattling off those lists, I was busy plugging away into, into my computer here just to check some of the performances. So New Farm, for example, oh, what a great performance that has been, you know, up you know, gazillion percent in the last three months. Yeah. Mate, it's at the same share price it was 10 years ago, right? <laughs> and, and, and there's others... There's plenty of others in that category as well. So for, for these, there are these narrative narratives that drive certain behavior. I remember a little while ago it was it was the rotation from growth back into value, and now it's the rotation from you know new to old. And it just it's a bunch of fund managers creating this kind of narrative, and it just I think it, it washes away against the broader tides of history and the broader yeah. forces and dynamics that are at play. I, I just. I know, I know, it's, and it sounds very smart. And, and don't forget, the industry is geared around making you act. No one yep. makes any money if you buy a bunch <laughs> of shares and chuck them in the broader drawer, right? So you yep. need to be rotating into this and out of that. You need to be trimming this. You need stop-loss orders. You need all of these kinds of things which are purely designed to make you trade, and trading <laughs> is hazardous for your wealth. So I, I really roll my eyes at all of these kinds of things. And you know yep. what? Maybe this trend goes on for another three months. I'm not buying you farm you couldn't you could point a gun at my head and there's no way i'm going to do that mm -hmm. um i i just i just think that it it it's and again it's it's trying to make a story out of something that that isn't there and you look back at those past rotational narratives that were yeah. out there no one talks about them anymore even ones from last year a completely ancient history and this one will be too so it, i i know um <laughs> getting quite ideological for the first first time back here, but it's just sort of like I just, I just think you know, forget all of this stuff that that sounds so smart. You, it is really boiling it down to just find some really great companies, at attractive prices, buy and then hold for as long as you possibly can. It sounds too simple to 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 be to be true, um, and and it and it's a process that does require um, that you sit through very uncomfortable periods of up and down and the rest of it, but yeah. it's the smartest way to go. So any, any talk of this kind of stuff really just gets my blood boiling. I think it's, I think I it's just journalists and fund managers trying to be smart, you know, and, and they're not. They're actually, if you think about it for half a second, these are, these are stupid things to do. And, and the other point is as well, <laughs> one more thing, and another thing, when, when, <laughs> By the time this stuff is hitting the news, you, we've seen that 30, 40% yeah. um, jump in these companies. Yeah. And sort of like, well, now that you're hearing about it, so now after a 40% re-rate, now's the time I'm going to buy in because I'm just going to extrapolate that trend forward for the next mm -hmm. three months. You know, on what it, every percent that a security goes up um, reduces your future return potential. It is an inverse relationship. Higher prices equals lower returns, all else being equal. So it's sort of like, it's something which is played out. You've probably missed it a big, a big chunk of that. And it's becoming less and less and less attractive as it goes forwards. And it's all driven on, on something that may or may not last uh, for any meaningful period of time. So I said friendly curmudgeon. I'm going to have to rant over angry curmudgeon instead. Uh, <laughs> mate, no, I think I think you're right. Although the, look, I will say, just for the sake of argument and just for the sake of you know, whether it's rotation or not, you know, some holders of these companies will have been saying, "Hey, these things were too cheap on January one." And I bought them because the market had left them for dead. They'd forgotten about them. These companies were worth buying, and this is you know they may argue. The, the the actually the point you're making which is they did go and buy these companies those who enjoyed those gains who've held them since January or December or February bought them specifically because they expected these businesses to be worth more and that the market was actually ignoring them during that kind of you know yeah. post vaccine you know whatever we want to call it um, <laughs> you know we'll we'll leave the cliches and the jargon out but you know there is some sense of like this is this is evidence of exactly that right people look around I mean Codan News Corp New Farm they're hardly you know, sexy tech stocks or momentum stocks. These are just kind of investors looked around and went, "Hey, I'm going. These look too cheap to ignore. I'm going to buy some." And if that was the case, they've done yeah, pretty yeah. well. They, they absolutely have, but it's more of a what we're talking about. I, I, the danger is, is that this is a, a, a an historic record of what has happened right. in these shares, and I think it's it, it, it there's it's there's not a buy list, is it? Very subtle. 
Yeah, exactly. But but, but we, we were all driven by sort of FOMO and we we're all driven by these trends and all that kind of stuff. So I would say, mm. I actually think it highlights the point really well. There were some smart investors out there, had done a lot of research, understood these businesses, identified value, and then acted. Now, sometimes it takes a while for that thesis to sort of be borne mm. out. Um, mm. In this instance, three months and, 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 and fantastic to them. They might be the same people who thought, hey, look, these shares are about 30% undervalued and are now selling that, mm. their, that their investment case has been realized. So I guess, I guess that's the distinction that I would make. It's not that they necessarily did anything dumb or, or wrong. Clearly, clearly they've made money. Mm. My my issue with it is that these headlines sort of go out there and it, it, it almost sort of suggests that this is the smart play. This is what you need to be doing as well. And that's the issue that I have a problem with. I would actually say, take the lesson of these other guys. They bought them when the share price, because until it hit that bottom, it was falling, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when they were buying. And, right, and right, so, right. So, so look for that again look look for a company that's fundamentally undervalued it might be falling you might buy it it might continue to fall but if you get that valuation part right it will out maybe not always in three months in fact certainly not always in three months but that's that's the process that's mm. the lesson that you want to take from mm. this not mm. that i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm just gonna expect this momentum to continue in this particular space and under this particular narrative done Done. <laughs> for now. For now. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mates up, so let's take the other like let's take the other side of this because we talked about some of the the big um, the big winners. On the flip side, tech has had a really, really tough three months. Uh, Afterpay hit a three month low earlier this week. Uh, zips up 40% by the way so <laughs> I'm not going to dare wonder whether there's spe- a rotation between those two stocks because I'll set you off again for another rant I'll, I'll avoid that but um, te- tech tech is on the nose mate and to add add uh, what's the what's the phrase fuel to the fire Platinum the fund manager out there saying well they're wanting of a bloody end as I said earlier to the speculative mania in high growth tech stocks they are saying that there's worse to come despite the last three months um i'm going to i'm going to quote uh is it andrew clifford andrew clifford from platinum quote the speculative mania in growth stocks will end badly for those who stay too long just as it did in the tech bubble shades of 1999 he's inferring here uh quote again and countless other speculative manias when i when you say people sorry when you hear people say it's not like the 2000 tech bubble I must say I agree, but here's the killer punch. This is a much bigger bubble, says Andrew Clifford. Mm-hmm. They are they are fighting words, mate. And that's that's I mean, look, the Nasdaq fell what eighty percent post tech bubble in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, if this is a bigger yep. bubble, you can only assume that the losses he might predict. I won't put words in his mouth, but if it's a bigger bubble, if it's got if it's blown up bigger, it's got further to fall almost by definition. Uh, with with yeah. Texox already on the nose, Clifford's doubling down here. Is he right, mate, or is he is he missing the point? Uh, it it's actually that that question I think has been around for a little while now, and it's yeah. and I actually think it's got a lot of merit. It, the, the, again, the hard thing with this discussion is is that we 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 have to generalize. We're talking about tech shares. And yep. w- within that generalization, I would argue that there have been some really wonderful tech shares that have done really great lately. Mm-hmm. Um, Alcidian's done really well for, for us on, on Strawman, just to put another quick plug in there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so, so again, you, you, you've got to take that view. But, mm. but yes, <clears throat> there, there. I thought Afterpay at one hundred and fifty dollars was insane, right. and and people would come back and they would say, oh, but, 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 you know, earnings are going to grow really strongly, and 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 it would get to the, you get to some of these situations with these tech companies where you can actually say, I agree, I agree, they're going to grow <laughs> their earnings at this huge rate for a very, very long time. <clears throat> But as Charlie Munger is fond of saying, no company is worth an infinite price. Mm. So is Afterpay worth a dollar a share? Mm. Well, clearly not. Is it worth $10,000 a share? Well, well, clearly not. Now, just purely by logic, you would then say, well, therefore, between $1 and $10,000, there is a price that is sensible and properly accounts for the cash generation ability of this business longer term. As attractive as that may be, mm. and mm. and I think that that I I think that there are a lot of companies out there where they have just been driven up by a lot of hot retail money, by a little, frankly, by an absence of any compelling other investment alternatives for the, for the bigger end of town. Um, 
by actually a realization, I think that the market took a while to sort of uh, fully realize the attractiveness of a lot of these business models and their market mm. opportunity mm. and their mm. ability to scale, and 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 just just how how brilliant um, and and dominant these these businesses have the potential to be in the future. Right. But I, I agree. I think we've got to a point for a large part. A lot of this has sort of been factored in and then some. So the mm. proposition, even if you retain a very positive outlook on the company itself, I feel as though you're in a situation where there is more downside than upside. So in other mm. words, things go swimmingly well for all of these companies from here and I'll probably get a, a, a decent return. Not, you know, even a reasonably attractive one. Mm. But if they don't, there is very serious downside. And, and in, in that regard, there's a real asymmetry in my in my return prospect. So I, I want a business proposition or investment proposition mm. where there's less downside than upside. Um, and I feel as though that's a little bit flipped in this space at the moment. I like that, mate. I... Um so, 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 on, a, on, a, on a, if you were going to guess on a on a category level, on a sector level, does tech outperform from here, or is it pretty well priced? Is it overpriced? Uh, I know, I know, you're saying it's company specific, and you're absolutely right. But let's go back to Clifford's kind of assertion. He's making he's making a really, really, really big call here, and a very generic call, the exact opposite to what you're trying to do, which is the right thing, which is add a bit of nuance, which is actually investable rather than just big headlines. But yeah. I mean, this is not. Clifford's a smart bloke and he also smart as in intellectually smart he also frankly knows that a call like this is either going to make or break or not make or break platinum but you know he'll be remembered for this call whether he's right or wrong um, mm. is tech overvalued is it cheap is it is it fairly valued if someone said to me look do I buy a tech ETF whether that's a NASDAQ ETF or an Australian tech ETF there's the Australian All Technology Index for example you know do you have a thought which way would you go on, on tech is it cheap expensive or, or the old Goldilocks about right um, well, actually, I'm keen for your opinion too, mate. Um, so I feel as though I'm doing all, all, all the answering here, but um, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you my my two cents. Is I think it is expensive, um, but I also think it's very. Some of these analogies aren't very aren't very good. The, I was around. I was I was working in this sector in in 1999 mm. uh, at the, mm. in the first tech bubble. It was very different. Yes, it was all about tech, but none of these. We didn't really have proven business models. Lord knows we didn't have cash flows. Um, <laughs> it is very 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 different this time around. So I right, think you've right. actually got very real, strong, attractive businesses for the main that yeah. that are in that are in play here. So I don't think that that um, when you don't have a business. What what, what was it? Pets.com or something like you know. Yes. This, there's just nothing there. You you are you are going to see these massive downside when the bubble pops. If yeah. you're a business that's like, you know, uh, I know. Let's stick with Afterpay. You, you're growing at an incredible rate. Yeah, a very attractive sort of business. Yeah, it's probably it was overvalued at 150 dollars, and wow, it's fallen 30 percent. Maybe it could fall <laughs> a third, another 30 percent. But I still think I still think there is there is something there, and the downside isn't as as potential. So to mm-hmm. to, to get more specific, I do own I do own a bunch of tech ETFs. In fact, that's right. how I get exposure to to the to the US market. It's just I, I prefer to focus stock specific in Australia, mm. um, and and. And, and I sort of I, I, I see this concern, and I, I think that it's valid. But at the same time, I, I come back to to my approach, and my approach is I'm a, I'm a man in his middle forties. I'll be working for a long time yet. I know that I'll be saving up money as I go. So sometimes I'll be investing when it's high. Sometimes I'll be investing when it's low. But I I know that the golden rule of compounding, and compounding is just the most beautiful thing on the planet, um, <laughs> is that the rule there is don't interrupt it. And yeah. you know me, mate. We've had, we've you've seen me firsthand make these dumb mistakes before, where you try and get a bit too clever with timing the market, and you yeah. realise that in the great in the great arc of history, the person who just sat tight and just can. It, just dollar cost averaged into the market over time does spectacularly well. So I think those concerns are valid, but it doesn't it doesn't change what I'm doing one iota. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I like it, Matt. I think that's I think that's uh, I think, and look as always that's the right approach right I think the the general kind of views I I've been known to to make I don't make predictions uh, I I have said in the past I expect I think tech was and I think probably arguably is still overvalued at a, at a, at a not even a sector level because Afterpay is so big frankly that your view on Afterpay is your view on tech so it's almost on the Australian market it's hard to have a summary view without having an Afterpay view and then no matter what everything else does yeah. Afterpay will determine the future there so that's always a little bit tough. Um, but I think it's worth just having a think about where that actually nets yep. out um, for, for an investment perspective. I think that's the that's the kind of 
you know that that's the key one. But I, but I do worry a little bit about um, thoughtless uh, multiples being paid for stuff. If mm. I'm not even sure that you won't necessarily do well with a basket of tech stocks or tech in air quote stocks, but just be a little bit careful. Don't buy arbitrarily. On the flip side, um, I think there's there's going to be some bargains. I think that's also true. I don't really see. So what I will say is I don't see. I can't see platinum's. Uh, angle quite honestly like i just i just don't think particularly bigger than the tech bubble i mean again if you if you follow that through to the implication i can't see it being true that these companies as as a group are likely to well i won't say not likely to fall anything could happen right but i don't think they're overvalued by five six seven eight times which would which would be required Mm. for a fall of 50 60 70 80 percent to be reasonable unless clifford's just purely market timing which he may be and not really looking at the fundamentals, but mm. Platinum tends to be a reasonably fundamental-based investor. Um, I'd be surprised if he's not mm. saying this at a at a fundamental level. I just don't. I don't see the gap. I have to say, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be putting my whole lot in tech for the sake of tech. By the same token, it, the irony, of course, is Pets.com is now owned by Amazon, and it was actually a really great idea. It was just too early for its time, which is the other problem, right? And I know yeah. Mark yeah, Andreessen, right. the, right. the famed venture capital in charge of um, Andreessen Horowitz, has said that um, you know none of the ideas in the tech boom were wrong. They were just early. Almost every no, one of those ideas has actually just come early. to pass in the fullness of time, which is also kind of quite a cool, yeah. a cool thing looking back. Uh, but yeah, but being wrong as we know. Any, any bubble any bubble has a nugget. Of, it's so true, mate. Yeah. And every bubble has a nugget of truth to it. And, and you know, that's, they, they look silly in hindsight, but they're not, they're not that silly at, at the time. So, yeah. Mate, that takes yeah, me to mate, I, I, look, I, I, Yes. Okay, go on, go on. I was, I was going to do that segue because that, that seems like a good segue to make because that, <laughs> that, is, that is a retailer. But let's face it, I, I, would, I would actually say it's a, it's a tech, very much tech sort of uh, oriented at one. And it was one that had, I had a quick look. I haven't had a look at it for a while. Actually, the last time we chatted about this, I think I was giving some bear case on this very podcast <laughs> four years You're probably ago. right, you bastard. <laughs> and you know, no, well, you know what? I was right for a little bit, and I remember thinking, oh, I should, I should send Scott a bit of. I told you so, and of course, I think then it went to like to get twenty five bucks or something. <laughs> um, so, so you know, the, uh, another another lesson for me there. But but at that level, it was at a price earnings multiple of ninety. So yeah. it's, it maybe that's an example of what we're sort of talking about here. Business that ostensibly, well, not ostensibly, is actually factually it performed. Extremely Extraordinarily well, their earnings doubled between on a per share basis between 2018 and 2020. Yeah. It's forecast to do that again between now and 2022. Um, and yet, mate, maybe the things just got a 20, little bit carried the away. The P is 26 times. I, like this is what like if if that's right, if that forecast is right, they do double earnings again. That'd be a P yeah. a 2022 P of 13 times for retail. Is I'm I'm, a, I'm massively biased, right? I'm a shareholder. I've spruced, spr- spr- let me spit that out, the company. For Share Advisor, the service that I run, I, I, I've done it on this podcast. Um, you know what? Kogan's PE, mate, get this, less than Woolworths. Now, I'm not saying Kogan is Woolworths. I'm oh, not saying it's safe or as secure yeah. or as stable or as well-known no, or stupid. as established as any of that. That is, that is stupid, just, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> Like I almost don't have the words to describe a scenario where it's probably about the same PE as Commonwealth Bank, I would guess. It's uh, cheaper on a PE basis than Woolies. Now, you know, Kogan's going to have a tough year this year. Maybe, I don't imagine profits decline, but, you know, they're coming off the back of a 2020, which was obviously COVID-induced. And, and we know that, you know, online retail is spectacularly well. Let's assume it even does nothing. Let's assume profits flat this year and then doubles again next year or grows again by 30% next year or something. You're paying the same mm. amount for, for Kogan as you're paying for Woolies, which is going to grow its earnings at I don't know what mid single digit per year over time if it's lucky. I can't. I, my head. I don't get it. Andrew. I can't. I can't. I can't work this one out. Well, this this is where I need my folly artistry skills to 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 get the <laughs> um the, the high horse uh, intro oh, going. Go. But, but mate, mate, I I I I one hundred one thousand percent agree. Woolies makes no sense to me whatsoever. As much as I think it's a killer business, it's yeah. just a very mature one. It's not going to grow. There there is a trade off in investing that has always been true and always mm. will be true. And it's 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 often poorly phrased as risk equals return, which which suggests <laughs> if you take a lot of risk, you get a lot of return. What yeah. it's what it's really saying is is that if you want very high return, you have to take a, a, a higher risk. Yeah. 
And, um, and you know, you, you've got two companies here, both trading at the same kind of multiple. Yes, one is a bit more risky than the other, but it's, it's, not, it's, not, a, it's, it's not a hyper-speculative company. Mm-hmm. It's one that's, that's earning money, and it's one that's forecast to grow incredibly strongly. So I, I, I'm, I don't want this to come across as a recommendation. I haven't looked at it closely for a while. I need to do some due diligence <laughs> on it. But based on those numbers there, and, I, and I, a very important data point for me is, is that you like it, that I can, I can lean a little bit on, on your insight. But it, it, does, it does seem strange. It, you, having said that, though, here, here's the lesson, and it's a lesson that we've had 100 times before, and it's a lesson that we've had with Kogan mm-hmm. before as well. Yeah. It's how many times has it had this huge run up and a massive fall off? Yeah. Like you, you would know as a shareholder, but I can, I can think of at least three or four times that that's happened. Um, I think the problem is, is that you get a lot of people, a lot of retail investors, private investors who sort of look at that and realize it, but then sort of say, oh, well, I'll wait for it to start going up mm-hmm. and then I will buy, yeah. which sounds imminently um, sensible, yeah, right, of course. Right. Of course, you know, bottoms are only apparent in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so I would I would tend to suggest the the smart way to play this if that's what you're wanting to do. Um, and again, this is not advice, but just a general lesson for anything on, of this mm. kind of nature is is that if it's at an attractive uh, price according to your calculus, you know, start accumulating. If it drops further, accumulate a little bit more. Just mm. just average that in. You, know, you you are not going to care if this drops another fifteen percent before then doubling. Um, you're not going to care and so i think that's that's the cautionary tale i would give for people looking at this situation you might be right in your overall analysis and if you are don't worry too much about the timing timing tends in my humble opinion tends to be a waste of time yeah i think i think that's i just i just i still can't work out the kogan Woolworths thing i can't work out what assumptions you have to make for the combination of those two businesses. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. I'm not even saying that Woolies isn't just superly overvalued and Kogan's also a little bit overvalued. All I'm saying is the same market thinks Woolies is worth paying 27 or 28 times for and 26 times for Kogan. And if you put, I I can't imagine anyone who, even if you say, look, Kogan's a reasonably ordinary business and maybe only grows profits at 10% a year for the next 20 years. That's still better than Woolies. I, I guess I just I don't know. On, I don't know how you put those two together and come up with that answer. Like yeah. I, I, I genuinely, I, yes, there's different people in the market. The market is an amorphous group, and there's people who pay more for Woolies because it's Woolies and all that kind of stuff. But when some people tell you it's an efficient market, I'm going to hold that up and I should have that framed as you know whatever happens from here. There is no reasonable assumption that you can hold both those thoughts in your mind at the same time without your head exploding. It just doesn't yeah. work, does it? Well, we've we've talked about this uh, um, duality before, which is mm. which is really tricky as, as an investor. If if you view the markets as efficient, well, then just buy an ETF, right? There's no there's no point being a stock picker. And if you don't view the markets mm. as being mm. efficient, and and I think we see lots of examples of massive inefficiency, and thank God for it because that's what gives us right, our, exactly gives us yeah. our op- opportunity. You can't then turn around and go, hey, why is the market? I must be wrong. I'm missing something here. And it's like, well, maybe you're not. And yeah. that's that's the really hard thing. You need to totally. be the kind of person who's confident enough to say, I am right. The market is wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, and then and then and swim against the tide, but also at the same time hold in your head that recognise that you know over time the market will be right, and it might be that you that's wrong. So it's it's this you know you you need this humility when investing where you can you know uh, mm. take your medicine, understand when you've made a mistake, and walk away. But still, you need the arrogance to assume that you're going to be smarter than the market. It's it's a really interesting dynamic. Mm. It's a it's a it's a remarkable time to be alive, mate. Um, more, more, continuing still. 2021 was supposed to be a normal <laughs> year, mate. We haven't got there yet. Um, let, no. let's, let's finish off uh, company news. Just with the AGL news, mate, This I, I wanted to raise this for a couple of reasons. I've been speaking more regularly, more recently about the idea of, um, you know, it, even if you're not someone who invests with an ethical perspective, knowing that the market can take those views is important. Even if you're someone who doesn't believe in the science of climate change, I'm on record as saying I think that's wrong. I think climate change is real. I think the science is pretty clear. But anyway, even if you're not, ignoring that it can also be a mistake. And, and I exhibit A, B or C is probably AGL right now. AGL is planning mm. to split itself into two parts or at least – now, whether, whether they split formally or just simply report the business units differently, those things are yet to be com- to fully rolled out. 
Agel is currently an integrated retailer and energy generator. Generator as in they have coal plants and wind turbines and solar farms and stuff. They generate the electricity uh, and then their retail business sells theirs and other energy as a, as a branded reseller, a bit like the NBN kind of resale uh, structure, to consumers. Now, it's a, gen, it's a gen tailor. Oh, yeah. Did you love those? those Don't you ones? love that one? That's good, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you want to make up a new word for it, there's very. It's like it's like it's like uh, Treasury Winer says with their mastige brands of mass and prestige. Oh, if you if you want to whack a word together, you're in trouble. Now. It reminds me, of course, of uh, Tomcat. Remember Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes? Tomcat. They put that together. <laughs> I as well. do. What yeah. was the, the J-Lo? Oh, that was Jen, Jen J. I can't remember anyway. A uh, oh, Ben Affleck and guy. whatever her name was. Benefer. That's yeah. right. Yes. Benifer. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, our grasp of pop culture is top notch, dude. I've just, I've just, bring, I've given you references that are at least five years old, which tells you exactly what I know about longer, pop culture. Longer, right there. <laughs> um, mate, it's it, it, it's just interesting because you know, so so they're going to split their business. Or at least, sorry, they're going to separate the two businesses internally at least, and maybe sell them off to try and recognise mm. some value because AGL has realised it thinks. Uh, no, I say it thinks it realises. There's no proof of any of this stuff, right? But you know, reading the tea leaves, they're trying to separate themselves into those two businesses: a green, in air quotes, retailer, and a mm. you know uh, an energy generator. They're calling it only Prime Co. You'll love that. Whenever the investment bankers get involved, something's going to have Co. There's New Co. and there's Prime Co. and BHP spin off of South Thirty Two had a had a I think it was Crap Co. I think was the the way that they, they, <laughs> there, was, there was probably a less radio friendly word they used to use, but we'll go with Crap Co. Um, they, they love putting a Co. at the end. It sounds somehow cooler. So this Prime Co. business Amazing, is yeah. basically the generation assets, and their argument is this carbon neutral green retailer that you can people can buy shares in is one business, and this dirty coal kind of you know with some wind and some solar just to kind of green it up a little bit is a different business, and they're going to try potentially to split those off. Here's the thing, though. They're not sure if they can find enough buyers for Primeco. Yeah. They're basically, hey, if, yeah. we, if we do this, then, hey, the, the, the retail business will be super cool and sexy and people will love it, but we might be able to find enough people to actually buy the, 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 yeah. the generation assets because such is the policy uncertainty and general investor distaste. And we've seen that with protests yep. about bank funding of coal mines. We've seen BlackRock come out and basically say, mm. if you don't have a plan to reduce carbon, we're out of here. Um, it's just a, it's a really interesting combination. Yep. Yep. I, the, look, the the AGL is super smart to do this. They they they're thinking long term. They know the writings on the wall. Uh, I mean, you know, it, you, you watch watch a bit of Sky News, and you might think that some of these uh, doubts are, are stronger than they are. Um, but uh, this this is absolutely a stranded asset. Um, it's just a matter of time. And and when you've got a look. There's a lot of smart investors out there that are staying a mile away for that for very, very, very good reason. And so AGL has to make a move. I think probably it's it's smarter to just get what you can for it. Don't worry about getting too attractive a price and just get it off somewhere else. It, it, it is it is something. It, it sounds real. It sounds like I'm coming across as like a, a ultra extremist greenie or something like that. I think it's just just economic sense you know these these assets last for decades yeah. and we're, we're at a point mate like it's just like i always whenever i get into a bit of an argument with some of my mates about this stuff it's just sort of like the environment's like the last part of the equation to even talk about it, yeah. it really just gets to economics when you can generate electricity um for a lower cost per unit and you can do it without all these <laughs> right. dirty mines and cap it just why uh, and this is what agl is thinking right so yeah, it's sort of yeah, yeah um I, th- I think I think they're smart to do it. I wish I wish them well, but I, I certainly wouldn't be going anywhere. You, the investment bankers can call it Prime Co. They can call it Gold Co. They can call it whatever they want. I'm I am not going anywhere near that thing. <laughs> it sounds like would you, you? Sound, would you, you sound take, pretty sure? You sound pretty sure. Uh, I, look, I, I, I there, here's a here's a fascinating story, <laughs> and and I know you've heard this one before. On. But one of the better performing in um, uh, companies uh, over the last thirty years. This is actually going back five or ten years. So you know, the, the 20, 30 years before that was Altria, which was yep. a tobacco company. Fifty years. Now it you was. could have a fifty. Okay, you know the story better. So it's fifty years ago. Uh, 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 and, and the why is that? Now, over that time, what is fascinating is that smoking rates have fallen precipitously. Yep. So how does the shares perform so well? Well, it turns out that they saw the writing on the wall as well. They pulled back every single cent of unnecessary capital expenditure and investment. They had this machinery that just, they just did basic maintenance mm-hmm. on all of that kind of stuff. And they ran these businesses for cash. So any 
free cash that came out of that they paid to it to investors that's where the return came from yep. the trouble with that is it's extremely rare there's a lot of arrogance and ego that's involved and there'll always be some <laughs> genius out there who thinks he can turn it around and bring smoking back or bring coal back or something like that if if agl whoever ends up running this prime co business is smart and they run mm-hmm. it in that fashion mm-hmm. and you get enough of a discount that, that it might be something i would actually I, I would actually have no prob- ethical problem investing in it but i do think it's a risky proposition i think you're right i i'm i'm little little more sanguine than you are at least a little bit more open to the chance this actually might be worth investing in for the reasons you talk about oh, yeah. and the reasons that if it's if it's distasteful enough to invest in right now because of coal these coal mine, uh, coal mine, these coal-fired power plants will come to the end of their useful lives, and AGL will replace them mm. with, in all, in all probability, renewable assets. And so, Primeco, that looks currently like this stranded asset, as you rightly point out, is not a coal mine; it's coal generation. And yes, the assets themselves, mm. you know, they won't be able to refurbish or reopen these these power stations. They have, you know, finite lives, as we know. And in fact, I think it might even be AGL. One of them is actually bringing forward the closure of one of their plants in Victoria by four or five years because yeah. of this idea yeah. it's not worth reinvesting in. Um, I'm not convinced that AGL won't have, by the way, some sort of, well, the prime code business won't have some sort of future. I, I will actually be looking at it. I've got to be careful not to be too contrarian for the sake of it, not to want it to, to be true. Uh, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if you found an asset that, or a business, sorry, that had a range of assets and as they rolled off coal, they were able to roll into solar or wind or thermal or tidal or something. Um, yep. If you said you've got to own a coal, a coal generating plant, nothing else for the next 40 years, I'd say, well, no, thanks. But I don't know, mate. I, I, I will reserve judgment. We'll, we'll probably come back to it at some point uh, have a look. But it just, I just thought the, the idea is worth looking into. And as you rightly say, mate, the concern for investors should absolutely be, what does this business look like? And are they smart enough? as a management team yeah. to either run them for cash yeah. or to pivot the business fast enough and quick enough to take advantage of those tailwinds or do you end up in 15 years time going man prime car what a dog hey like it just, it just it had declining yeah. returns 15 yeah. straight years and now there's nothing left and who could have seen it coming we'll all go well all of us uh, but I'm not I'm not ruling out the possibility that in the right hands it might be worth something if the shares. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I agree with that. It's it's not it's not impossible. I, I would say this though is that when you're transitioning like that, you've got to ask, well, what competitive advantage do you have in this space? Yeah. What yeah. you're talking about an industry that's extremely even you know moving to renewables, extremely capital intensive. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of other generators there. What what makes you so special that you'll be able to get bigger market share or better margins <laughs> or any of this kind of stuff? I mean, it's yeah. different when there's only sort of, you know, so many uh, coal plants around and you've got like a, a an oligopoly of sorts that, that are there. <laughs> when every, when it, like there are now communities that are throwing up their own solar farms and stuff yeah. like that. So what I wonder in the, the new, in the new economy, the new energy economy, when there is far lower barriers to entry, mm-hmm. what, it doesn't mean that AGL can't or Primeco can't survive. It doesn't mean that they can't pivot to that, but they're yeah. probably not going to be getting super yeah. high uh, margins. You know it's, what I mean? It's, it's going to be, gonna it's gonna make it be work, right? Exactly. So again, Buffett's always talking about looking for one foot bars to step over. This <laughs> this is a six foot bar to high jump over. Yeah, and it's just like, right. why, why, why do it? It's, it might work. It might work. I'm not, I would, you know, it's not impossible, but but why take the risk when there's so many better propositions out there? Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, mate, let's finish off uh, as we are wants to do with a quick dip into the Motley Fool mailbag, mate. Um, I just, here's... <laughs> This is one from Craig, and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume Craig meant it with a straight face. I'm gonna relay it with a straight face. I'm gonna hopefully not get kicked off the air. So let's go with this. Craig says, "Hi Scott, and you, great wise one." Man, didn't know you were coming, did he? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, well, we'll assume he did. I am lucky enough, says Craig, yeah, to have a few have. stocks in my portfolio that have gone up heaps, even though I think well they done. could be ridiculously overvalued. I'm reluctant to sell, as I would have to pay capital gains tax. Throwing a bit of FOMO. And I wonder how much capital gains tax plays a part in stocks becoming overvalued and staying overvalued, which I quite like. So he's, he's, he's reluctant himself, but his question isn't so much. He's, he's recognised that in himself, but he's saying, hang on, what if, what if it's possible that in the market at large, do, do capital gains themselves and, and the desire not to pay tax or simply to get caught up in the story of I'm smart, I've made money, therefore I'm still smart, therefore I'm going to, therefore I'm going to keep making money, does, does that in itself keep stocks higher than they otherwise might have been. What are your thoughts, mate? That's a fascinating... Yeah, that is an excellent question, Craig. Um, It's a cool idea, isn't it? It it, it is a really good idea. The truth is I don't know. It's it's an interesting proposition. Mm. I would would take a slightly different tact and and say this to you. Um, 
never, ever, ever, ever let uh, <laughs> tax. Yeah, well, don't don't let tax is is like the the last consideration. Yeah. So you want to yeah. do everything within your power to minimize your tax, and I think that's that's part of being a long term investor is you get that you get that fifty percent uh, capital gains discount. Uh, so absolutely, absolutely. But if something is no longer a good proposition, or if something is. Uh, as he is in his words ridiculously overvalued mm-hmm. i think i don't think you, you it, it's it's better to it's better to have a huge tax bill mm. and and make a heap of money than to, than to you know see it fall back and have a, and have a lower tax bill i've i've said this to you in the past mate if if i was to find out this year that I owed the ATO $10 million, <laughs> I would be the happiest person on planet Earth. The only way I can pay heaps of tax is to earn heaps of money. So I will do everything sensible in my, in my, in my powers to minimize that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a major decision. <laughs> it shouldn't be the most important decision. And yeah, I know right. Craig's not saying that, but I just wanted to put that out there. No, I think you're right. What, like, what, not, what, what do you think? That. Oh, well, I think that's right. He's not. He's not saying that. But I, 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 you know what? I think there's something to that. I think if you look at, you know, you and I, you've been banging on about banks longer than I have, and and again, as as our resident curmudgeon, you're you're equally as uh, disappointed with the banks or uh, didn't unhappy with the banks as Doc was. So we we got some continuity in the podcast, which is encouraging. Uh, I, I'm not. He was I'm a smart guy, Doc, wasn't he? <laughs> I'm not massively bearish on the banks, but I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't be buying them. But I, but I do wonder. I mean, that whole idea, whether it's capital gains, tax, or just gains in general. Um, you know, banks are popular because yeah, the dividend yields are nice. But I do wonder how much of the fact. Well, I made I, I've made this much money since the IPO. Of course, I'm going to hold them. If you bought Westpac at two bucks mm. or Commonwealth Bank at two bucks, whatever the prices were at listing, and then now you know in the 80s for Commonwealth Bank and whatever Westpac is, I, I I'm absolutely sure that that's become a self fulfilling prophecy. That people are like, well, I'm not selling it. You, you're making the bank's going to make me money, yeah, but I'm not selling them because look how much money I've made. I think there is a sense of it's actually it's actually proven in people's minds. Its own success. I actually think that the question is valid. I think that there is a very much a case of, hey guys, look look how well I've done. You want me to sell now? Are you kidding? Look look at look at the success of the banks over the last forty years. And I think that mm. both can be true, right? <laughs> Just because they've been successful doesn't mean they will continue to be as successful. We've been right over the past few years, by the way. And the banks have gone almost nowhere, and that's uh, you know yeah. that, that that's cost some yeah. people some potential gains. But I just I think that I think he's on something. Well, quite frankly. It, it's a case Whether in it's, point. Yeah. It's a case in point, isn't it? Because I remember when we were talking about it back in the day, you know, it's, so, it's sort of like there, there is so much – I come across people all the time. They're just, oh, I don't want to sell because I bought CBA at $4 and it'd be – and so Craig's right. right. It's, it's probably a, a huge feature there. But you know what? You, you can't un, – unless Marty McFly comes back in a DeLorean <laughs> and, you know, we can't, we can't time travel, right? Yeah. So all that you've got now is here's – I've got X dollars in capital uh, today, whether that's in shares or cash or whatever. I can press a few buttons and turn it into cash and – and, and and it's about how that goes forward. And there's a lot of bank investors who did extremely well over the preceding 20-year period 10 years ago to have yeah. had awful returns for the last 10 years because they tried to avoid a tax liability. So it sort of proves yeah. my point here yeah. that, that yes, you know, absolutely factor it in. But, but because you were so focused on having to pay a bit of a tax bill, you've had yeah. 10 years of really shitty returns. Yeah. Sorry, can I say that word? I've, you I've just done did. It. It's out That's there. okay. No, we're, we're <laughs> not, not, not claiming it completely clean. We just try and keep it a little bit, a little bit clean. But you can go there. <laughs> Apologies. <Yeah. laughs> um, You're passionate, mate. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, I, so I think, I think, I think all is that. The other, the other part of that question is, of course, is like let's say let's let's theoretically, assume, hypothetically assume, assume that mm. it is a factor. Mm. Um, what's the practical uh, outcome of that? So th- there's a lot of interesting things out on markets and economies and stuff where it's like, oh yeah, th- this is this is a thing, mm. but 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 does it offer any practical value in terms of informing your investment decisions or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, probably not. So I think I, I think I really congratulate Craig for raising. I think it's a really mm. fascinating mm. point, mm. but I also think it's sort of like, yeah, that's interesting, but I, I don't know how I fold that into my investing process. Yeah, no, I think, except well, I guess I guess the, the you know the argument might be that if you've you know, the, the, the possibility or probability of a winning stock going down, maybe less than others. Maybe it's safer to own a stock that's been up if, if he was right. I mean, I can imagine that, you know, if I'm thinking about how that might impact, you know, if he's thinking like that, he's thinking, well, I'm not going to do it. Other people might neither. So do I need to be really that worried about an overvalued stock? If everyone's going to hold it because they always have, because they always have, because they always have, um, does that give me some downside protection? I think that's a reasonable question. Maybe a gutsy question. We certainly talked about a couple of stocks that have had big falls despite their success. I mean, Kogan went from three yeah, to thirty right. and is now back at uh, now back at twelve. So maybe that maybe that's uh, exhibit one. But 
there, it is also. I, I really do think he's right to some degree. I do think that banks are more expensive than they would be if everyone if everyone was forced to sell their bank stocks, and then you know they changed the names of the banks, uh, but kept the kept the financials the same. Said, do you want to invest in this business? I dare say you'd have maybe a quarter, a tenth of the interest in those businesses if you gave them the same financials, the same market position. Everything else was the same except you didn't, you hadn't had the stock history with it. Uh, you know, if it never been listed, it was going public now at eighty bucks, eighty five bucks. We'd be we'd be falling over ourselves to mm. put you know twenty five percent of our portfolios in a Commonwealth Bank. I very, very much yeah, doubt true. it, right? But we convince ourselves that there's something there, and the retail investor love for these things. I, I'm I'm reasonably sure he's pretty right, mate. That you know the amount of love is is correlated to the amount of money that people have made on it, and their their reluctance to sell is again. Do, do you do anything with it? Probably not. Um, but I, you and I probably would have been more right in the past if if, if it hadn't been true, right? If people are genuinely judged on <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I dare say the bank share prices yeah, yeah. would be lower today. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. As I say, I just I don't know what I do with it. So yeah. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy something that I feel is overvalued, even if that is a consideration. Very good. And anyway, welcome back. What's the next page one from Strawman.com? We we are very pleased to have you, and you're going to hang around for a mailbag episode on Sunday, right? Oh, you bet, man. Yeah, you bet. Now, now you, you know, you, I'm you not short of an opinion. Not, I, know <laughs> done, I know all this research, but you may not know this is a very, very special regular mailbag edition that we only very specially do every now and again on Sundays. Uh, and so that's that's the running joke. You'll have to get used to that <laughs> oh, one. So we'll we'll, we'll catch you up on that okay. one between between episodes. In the meantime, <laughs> please do subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast. Do it through iTunes, your favorite Android podcast app, or the new listener app from the good people at Southern Cross Austero that we're affiliated with and who produced this podcast for us. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating on iTunes. Five stars would be lovely. Do it for Andrew. The guy's coming back. He's, you know, he's, he's having some, yeah, look, I, I won't say concerns. I won't say he's worried. I won't say he's, his ego is threatened. All I'm saying is try and do the right thing, please, for Andrew. Just be, be, a, be a good sport. Look after Andrew. Give him some, give him some love. Give him five stars on the podcast just to, to make him feel better. It'll, it'll help him along. Trust me. I just, yeah, mate. If we don't, if we get anything less than five stars, I'm out. I'm walking. Nah. Okay. So oh, mate, no, don't say, don't say that. We'll lose listeners all over the joint. Perfection, or, perfection or bust. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thoughts. Don't let Andrew down, please. And of course, do you tell your friends? If you want a dose of foolishness and some marketing straight to your inbox, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. And of course, check out Andrew at strawman.com. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. We'll see you on Sunday with another dose of foolish insight. Fool on. See you later. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.